On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, a heroic Model S driver thinks fast to help save a distressed driver from a potential high-speed injury. Elon Musk travels overseas to help launch Tesla in another big market. A unionization effort is brewing at the Tesla factory in Fremont and more. Howdy, friends. Welcome to the 81st episode of Ride the Lightning. It is the Tesla unofficial podcast for February 19th, 2017. I'm Ryan McCaffrey, and as you can probably already tell, I'm not quite myself today. Uh, My voice is still recovering. I had actual, honest-to-goodness, viral laryngitis for the first time ever this week, which I was uh, ultimately ended up making two doctor's visits and got some medication and it is finally just good enough to start talking. I spent three days silent this week, which uh, for me is a very difficult thing to do because I tend to talk a lot, as you uh, no doubt already are aware from listening to 80 episodes of, uh, of, a, of a one-man podcast. But I have to say I'm, uh, I'm grateful to be, to be back and be on time. I was afraid, that, you know, the first day it was kind of cute, you know what I mean? Because I've never lost my voice for more than like a half a day at a time after being sick, which I was last weekend. Uh, in fact, I got kind of got, I started coming down with it right after I recorded the show last week. It just hit me like a, just a sore throat and achy feeling. And then I was sort of just, it was a real up and down week. And um, on Tuesday, the end of the day, Tuesday, I, re- I recorded some stuff at work. I did my podcast at IGN and a couple of other things. And I could feel my voice was kind of rough. It was going, but it actually totally went out on me on Tuesday. And at first, it was kind of adorable. I was like, "Oh, this is neat. I actually I can't talk. That's 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 cute." But then, when it persisted, I was like, "Okay, uh, I'm a little worried now. Now I actually can't talk." And then it started to get to a point uh, by Friday where I was like, uh, "Am I going to be able to do the sh- the show on time this week?" And fortunately, as you can tell, just enough of my voice has recovered to get it done just in the nick of time before it would be considered late. Uh, On that note, I hope that all of you very kind Patreon backers who enjoy the early access to the podcast uh, will forgive me this week for the not very early at all access. I am recording this at basically the last possible moment on Saturday night before it can be considered late. and just my apologies to everybody out there in general, since I know for sure that I don't quite sound like my normal self again just yet. But in any case, let's get to the Tesla news. We've got a few interesting stories this week and then just some phenomenal phone calls, just some great stuff in the Ride the Lightning hotline coming up here in a little bit. First this week, Tesla launching in the UAE, specifically Dubai is where they kicked off their uh, their roll out to that area of the world. Elon Musk showed up, flew in mostly, and he gave a presentation, uh, all of which is on YouTube. It's unfortunately, it's a uh, crowd recorded thing, which unto itself is not bad, but it was a apparently windy night there. And so you hear a lot of wind noise. You're going to hear that on a couple clips in a second. So apologies for that. But the presentation was short. It was about nine minutes long and it was mostly a kind of just company, a recap, an introduction. Here's 
what here you know what Tesla is, but here's who we are, here's what we do. Uh, but a couple of quotes stood out for me from Elon. Uh, I want to first play this one. This is Elon Musk uh, stating that the Model 3 is indeed due to begin production this year. And I play this. Why? Because it's just always good to he- keep hearing him say it. It just, you know, again, every time we hear it, it gets a little bit more true. So uh, here's Elon on the Model 3. And then we're, we're going to high volume, uh, lower price, which is the Model 3. And uh, that's uh, hopefully uh, going to get in production later this year. Feels good to hear him say it. And then uh, the other part of the other little quote I wanted to pull out of his presentation is this uh, with Mr. Musk describing the Model S for the Dubai folks in the crowd. Now that the car is officially the quickest production car to 60 miles an hour ever made. This is Elon trying to describe the feeling of driving a Model S to the assembled uh, folks in Dubai. The nice thing about, about that is it's like having um, instant fun available at any time. Um, if you like pure unadulterated, uh, pure unadulterated joy on tap whenever you want, this is the car to get. Um, it's, it's really uh, hard to describe. You can only experience it. Uh, the car will accelerate at 1.2 Gs, so it's faster than falling. So this launch in the UAE comes on the heels of the announcement, of course, that the company's looking to launch in India this summer. I mentioned that on last week's episode. And, and really, I thought about this, and it's this, this continued global expansion, it's good for Tesla. It's good for uh, those of you who are shareholders out there. It's good for Tesla customers, uh, both, both uh, current and future uh, it's good for everyone because, you know, it, this expansion, this continued expansion into new parts of the world, it shows that Tesla is strong and it continues to grow and get stronger. This is just great. Every time they roll out to a major new territory, it's just it's good news. And uh, on a related note, by the way, there was a, a sort of separate deal while Elon was in the country, in, in the UAE, in Dubai specifically, actually. A deal worth an estimated 18 or so million dollars. Dubai has agreed to purchase 200 fully self-driving capable hard, uh, pardon me, Model S and Model X to add to its uh, taxi service in the city as part of the city's push to convert a quarter, 25% of the city's traffic to autonomous driving by the year 2030, which at this point, yeah, we're only 13 years out from that now, so... That's a good goal, a big goal, and getting the first, getting these 200 Teslas on the road will certainly get them nudging in the right direction. So awesome news out of Dubai there. Hat tip to Dubai. Next story this week is Maggie the Boxer chugs away some water in the background. Uh, this is, uh, you heard me mention this in the, in the opener, a Model S driver in Germany heroically used his own car his Model S to uh, stop a fellow driver who had suffered a medical emergency and was unconscious at the wheel. So this this is a, this story comes via Electrek. A 57-year-old man driving a Volkswagen Passat apparently lost consciousness while driving. It obviously resulted in a lost control, and the vehicle hit the guardrail a few times. And this, so this is, this is on the, the equivalent of the freeway, I guess it, uh, technically the Autobahn. Uh, 
uh, but it was still going fast. That's when the vehicle was spotted by Tesla driver Manfred Kick, who realized that the VW driver was unconscious and decided to position his Model S in front of the Volkswagen and slow down until the vehicle collided with him. He managed to bring it to a stop. The police and fire brigade arrived and transported the unconscious driver to the hospital. His condition is currently unknown, but they believe he suffered a stroke. Elon Musk, this story got everywhere. In fact, uh, right to Elon Musk's ears. Elon took to Twitter and said, Congrats to the Tesla owner who sacrificed damage to his own car to bring a car with an unconscious driver safely to a stop. And he added, In appreciation, Tesla is providing all repair costs free of charge and expedited. So, uh, as well they should. I mean, not to, not, I'm not trying to sound mean about that in any way, shape, or form whatsoever. I know my, <laughs> my tone may, may not quite be as discernible this week because my voice is uh, still coming back, but... It's it, you know Tesla should do that when this is you know this is great press for them and it's just a, it's a wonderful thing that one of their customers did for another human being so um, it's just an exa- it's it's great it's you 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 call out the positive like that in in our society because it's not only the right thing to do to acknowledge something uh, selfless like that but it will encourage you know that's only going to encourage other people to do to do positive acts and positive things because, hey, maybe Elon Musk will, will, will uh, shout you out on Twitter or, you know, t- or Tesla will help you. I mean, it's, it's just, it's nothing but good here in this story. So, uh, I mean, th- thinking about this, after I read this, man, I thought, so this, this is obviously a brave and selfless act, but I have to say, it's also a very quick thinking act because I have to be honest. I mean, I, you know, I guess none of us know till we're in the, that moment, but I'm not sure that I would have considered that option if I were in the same position. And not because I'm a bad person, but just because I'm not sure I would have thought to do that. I have to imagine that my first thought would have been to call 911 or whatever the German equivalent is, if, uh, if, if it had, you know, if it had been over there as this was. But, uh, I'll say it's as if both a karmic reward to this to this gentleman to uh, to Mr. Kick, as well as a sign which we've seen many over the years now over the the four years, you know, a sign of how tough the Model S is. Uh, Mr. Kick posted pictures later. The car actually didn't take a lot of damage for slowing down. For, for forcing a collision to, you know, a gentle collision even to slow down another car and stop another car, th- there was really the only thing that was evident in the picture was some what appeared to be superficial damage over on the left side of the bumper and not much else. You can't really see much else from the picture now. Of course, you know, who knows? Maybe his whole bumper shot from absorbing the impact of, of uh, you know, blunting another, you know, sort of absorbing, I should say, another car at, at high speed. But yeah, you can't really see much damage to it. So that's a hat tip to the Model S and to its engineers and, and certainly to Manfred Kick for thinking quickly, thinking smartly and, and uh, you know, and, and really just being uh, a bit of a hero here. I mean, this is just a wonderful, wonderful thing. So well, I'm very happy to share stories like that anytime that they pop up. 
Next this week, Elon Musk says that he sees almost all new cars being self-driving capable within a decade, within 10 years. But he added that it's going to take a lot longer for it to be a truly disruptive shift within society. So here's Elon to explain. He says, quote, there are about 2 billion, billion cars in the world, and the total annual production capacity is about 100 million cars, which makes sense since the average life of a car before being totally scrapped is about 20 to 25 years. So the point for which we see autonomy appear will not be the point when we see a massive impact on people because it will take a lot of time to make enough autonomous vehicles to disrupt. That disruption will take place in about 20 years. So I thought this was a really interesting uh, statement by Elon, and it's cert- I think it's one that a lot of us might not think about. We just think, oh, well, if Tesla gets the self-driving fleet online in 20, let's just say 2018 for now, uh, if they're able to do that, then guess what? That's disruption has begun. That's it. But Elon's right. I mean, it's it it will take a while for uh, th- for society at large to be tangibly affected. Uh, that's affected. If my voice would come back, <laughs> affected by by that technology. Because yes, even though I've talked a number of times on this podcast about how cool it's going to be when that morning comes that the software update to enable full self-driving level four capability is pushed out to all of our cars, all of our S's, X's, and threes. And that day comes and suddenly overnight, hundreds of thousands of Teslas will be level four autonomous capable, but that's still only hundreds of thousands of cars out of, as Elon notes, 2 billion in the world and 100 million produced annually. So he's right. It is going to take a while. And the more I thought about this, the more I realized, you know, if Elon is right, and you're like I do in that you have young children, I have a five-year-old, then this reminded me of something. And it's that you can look at your kids right now and look at them and think, wow, they're going to be the last generation that's going to remember cars as being the these fully manual machines that you and I have always known them to be. It's true. Think about that, right? In fact, if I look around my office when I get back to work next week, I was out sick for a lot of it this week, but when I get back to my office, if I look around that office and when I see the young people, and I know that's, boy, it makes me sound like an old guy to say that at 36, but... You know, I'm talking, there, there are a good number of people in our office that are in their early to mid-20s. I look at them, and they grew up with cell phones and the internet being ubiquitous technology. I didn't. I am the part of the last generation to remember the pre-cell phone and pre-internet eras, respectively. Which are, of course, they overlap. But So, my five-year-old now is going to be like that with manually operated cars where she, she'll remember it because, you know, she gets ferried around every day now. And if the disruption is in 20 years, she'll be 25. So it'll, she's, you know, her generation, our kids now, our little kids now, they're it. 
they're, they're the ones now that will remember, they'll be the last to remember it this way. Kind of like how you know you never see a payphone anymore or it's really weird when you do. It won't quite be like that with cars because there's, you know, cars, there are so many classic cars. I mean, I'm looking, as I record this right now, I'm looking up at a poster that it, uh, I had made with my friends at DMC years and years ago, a poster of my now uh, departed DeLorean. And it's like, well, class, there'll be still be plenty of people hanging on to classic cars for many, many decades, if not longer, to come. But our kids now, our little kids now, are going to be the last generation to not be, to really think of cars as just these manual things that, that, uh, that, need, oper- that need manual operation. And I, th- I just thought that was kind of interesting to think about. Finally this week, the other, well, the last big news story, then I've got a couple of quick notes at the end. But uh, Now this story, you may have heard about this story recently, but uh, I've been waiting for it to develop a little bit further before I wanted to bring it up on the podcast, but that time has come. And that is this, the United Auto Workers, the UAW Union, they've been making an effort to unionize the Tesla factory. And this has been a bit of a saga here so far. We're, uh, we're more, more sort of added to the story this week. UAW chief Dennis Williams said that organizers are now in Fremont. He said, quote, we have organizers out there. I do have a guy I hired who is a labor organizer, but there's nothing abnormal about it. Okay. That comes on the back of whispers that started up uh, in the past week or two that conditions and pay aren't great in Fremont. A Tesla production worker named Jason Moran said, quote, in a, in a blog post, most Tesla production workers earn between $17 and $21 hourly. The average auto worker in the nation earns $25.58 an hour and lives in a much less expensive region. The living wage in Alameda County, which is where we work, and that's, of course, that's Oakland and extends down to Fremont, is more than $28 an hour for an adult and one child, and he notes that he has two. Many of my coworkers are commuting one or two hours before and after these long shifts because they can't afford to live closer to the plant. Now, I'm going to pause the quote there. Uh, that much, as uh, for those of you, I know a number of my listeners are fellow Bay Area folks, uh, that much is, <laughs> you, you don't doubt that at all. Uh, pretty much the, all those, those 20-something folks that I mentioned at my office, none of them, not a, I don't think a single one of them, lives in San Francisco proper because it has become so absurdly expensive. It just continues to get crazier and crazier as far as the cost of living goes. So I'm not at all surprised at the uh, at the claim that a lot of the, the factory workers at Tesla don't work anywhere near Fremont, or pardon me, don't live anywhere near Fremont. Uh, continuing the blog post from Jason Moran, he says... Preventable injuries often happen. In addition to long working hours, machinery is often not ergonomically compatible with our bodies. There's too much twisting and uh, turning and extra physical movement to do jobs that could be simplified if workers' input were welcomed. Add a shortage of manpower and a constant push to work faster to meet production goals, and injuries are bound to happen. A few months ago, Six out of eight people in my work team were out on medical leave at the same time due to various work-related injuries. I hear that ergonomics concerns in other departments are even more severe. Worst of all, I hear coworkers quietly say that they are hurting 
but they are too afraid to report it for fear of being labeled as a complainer or a bad worker by management. So that's not, that's not great to hear that. Uh, Tesla had responded to this saying, there's no doubt that Tesla employees work harder than most. Changing the world is not a nine to five job. We made this very clear to all candidates when they apply to work at Tesla. At times during heavy production ramp, some shops in the factory may have to work on Saturdays. We give everyone advance notice when this is required to ensure that they can plan their schedules accordingly. We also provide alternate work schedules for many of our production shops that include compressed work weeks, allowing for more flexibility and schedule predictability. Okay, here was Elon's response. This was a little, um, let's say more emotional. He said, our understanding is that this guy was paid by the UAW to join Tesla and agitate for a union. He doesn't really work for us. He works for the UAW. And then Musk added in a separate response, Frankly, I find this attack to be morally outrageous. Tesla is the last car company left in California because costs are so high. The UAW killed Numi and abandoned the workers at our Fremont plant in 2010. They have no leg to stand on. Now, UA, the UAW did deny this. And then this week, fast forward here, Elon said, quote, I'm doing an investigation right now. Fremont production management was in poor shape and not able to scale about a year ago. I think we've made a lot of progress since then. If there are areas that you think you are, uh, pardon me, if there are areas that you are hearing are still not great, I would love to hear feedback on that. Now, uh, that report that Elon had said, uh, that investigation, it unfortunately did not make its way into the public before I recorded here on Saturday evening. So as usual with these things, I imagine it'll have come out between <laughs> the short period that I've recorded this and that by the time I publish on Sunday morning. So in, in that likely event, I will revisit this next week once that report's released. But what I wanted to say here is just that this is obviously a very complicated issue. I, I of course, I've always said, as many of you have longtime listeners know, I, I've always said that I give Tesla the benefit of the doubt in these circumstances because I feel that their track record with the truth has earned them that benefit. But uh, that being said, the truth in these, these two sides here, as usual, if, you know, the old saying, the truth probably lies somewhere in between, somewhere in between Tesla's account and Jason Moran's slash the union's account. Hence, Elon Musk's investigation into the matter. I'm going to be real curious what he finds, as I'm sure many will, because uh, the thing about Elon, again, he is a straight shooter. He's not one to uh, shirk responsibility or to deflect blame. If uh, if there's a problem, he probably he won't sugarcoat it. He's going to admit it, uh, and you know it, that is it, you know if yeah if he finds unsatisfactory or, or unfair conditions, he's, he's going he's gonna to say so. And better yet, he's going to try to fix it. He's going to do, he, we've seen that time and time again in the past, whether, you know, whether it's been the, uh, the titanium shield that permanently fixed the quote, battery fire problem. And I'm using air quotes. Notice how you haven't heard a, you don't hear about those anymore because the battery packs are all protected by three-inch thick titanium multi-layered shields. 
instead of just band-aiding over a problem, Elon fixed the problem. And I suspect he'll do that here as well, uh, depending on what his find, findings are. So uh, my point is, I, I very much hope that the whole matter can be resolved amicably because the fact is, Tesla is great for California and for Fremont. You know, I, I, I don't. I think it's fair to say that Tesla and the Tesla factory put Fremont back on the map after Toyota and GM uh, pulled out a Numi. Uh, in fact, I think I said back on episode one that that I take a little extra pride uh, in in being a Tesla fan at at the fact that. As a longtime Californian now, I'm going on 15 years myself, the Tesla is not only an American car company dominating the world uh, in its field, but a California car company at that. In fact, my current new, my, my new favorite shirt is a t-shirt that I got for Christmas from my in-laws uh, from the Tesla store. That it's uh, if you, you can look on the store if you're curious to see the shirt. It's a Heather Gray shirt. It just has the Tesla logo in the block letters, just T E S L A on the front, uh, with on, on underneath the words "Made in California." I love that. I, I just love it. I'm dying to wear it. I wish the weather would warm up. It just keeps raining here in the Bay Area. But uh, in any case, just uh, to bring it back around. Yes, I so I do hope this resolves amicably. Uh, I mean, this is. This is obviously a key time for Tesla as they as they look to ramp up for Model 3. The union knows that. Elon knows that. Uh, but e- Elon Musk has also proven himself to be a very fair executive and a fair human being. So I trust that this will get resolved uh, to a mutually beneficial and satisfactory scenario. All right, just wanted to finish up with a couple of other points here. Uh, just p- a couple, two PSAs for you existing Tesla owners. The first one goes out to all Tesla owners, and that is if you use the Tesla app on your smartphone, make sure that you update the app. And if you don't already have your phone set to automatically do that, I don't. Uh, I, may, I do mine manually so that it only does it on Wi Fi. Uh, so the app, the point being the app, got the long-awaited UI redesign that, uh, and that is now rolled out. So just from looking at pictures, I, I can't really use it because, uh, I, actually, I will confess to you, I have it downloaded, but it's totally useless to me because you need a, you need a, you need a Tesla login, which I, actually, I guess I have that now with my Model 3 reservation. I should try entering it and see what happens. But um, anyway, the screenshots I saw, it seems, seems pretty nice and clean, so... Make sure to update for those of you who are Tesla owners. And speaking of updates, for those of you newer Tesla owners who have hardware 2 enabled cars, your Teslas have just been given and uh, access to auto steer functionality on local roads as opposed to just freeways. So you're, it's now there for you on local roads as well at speeds up to 30 mile, 35 miles per hour. So this is intended for, you know, commuting traffic kind of situations. But it's good to see, you know, Tesla continues to keep their word. Uh, they're bringing hardware two cars closer and closer up to par with hardware one cars before, obviously, we are going to reach that inflection point where the hardware two cars eventually pass the hardware one cars in the autonomous feature set. And a quick shout out. Thank you to a uh, longtime listener, Rob from Boulder, 
for being the very first person to alert me about this. He got the update, pushed his car, and he emailed me, emailed me about it right away. So thank you for that, Rob. And I'm going to come right back. Speaking of awesome listeners, I've got, uh, let's see, I believe six fantastic calls queued up in the Ride the Lightning hotline for you. Let me just take a quick sip of water because, as you can tell, my, th- my voice is like, hey, I'm not fully back yet. Let's take it easy on this. So I've got the Ride the Lightning hotline for you right after this. All right, coming up this week on the Ride the Lightning Hotline, Michael from Milbrae, Steve from Florida, Jay from Australia, an anonymous gentleman, uh, Matthew from Nova Scotia, and uh, a, uh, our first call, I believe, from Mexico, a gentleman from Monterey in Mexico. And But before we get to those calls, a quick reminder that if you've got a question, comment, discussion topic for the podcast, I've been getting a ton of great calls lately, let's keep it going, would love to hear from you. Give me a call toll-free anytime you like. You just leave a message at 1-888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. Or you can also email me if you want to record something using the voice recorder on your phone and email it. You can send that to teslapodcast at gmail.com. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can indeed give them a unique gift of recorded voices from their friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Let's kick it off with my friend Michael from Milbrae. He is following up on the uh, bodywork backlog problem that was discussed a show or two back from another caller. So, uh, Michael, take it away, my friend. Hey, Ryan, it's Michael from Milbrae. I wanted to follow up on the conversation started last week about waiting for parts for uh, bodywork. My ex got hit by a small rock in November, and uh, I need a new hood because it's nearly impossible to work out the dents in uh, aluminum panels. Hopefully, though, with the Model 3, a lot of parts will be able to be fixed instead of replaced. So we'll see less pressure for new parts and more reuse. And hopefully this will reduce the weight for replacement parts. Anyway, let me know what your thoughts are. Uh, Thankfully, I will continue to drive my ex while I wait for that replacement part in the meantime. Take care, Ryan, and give my best to Maggie. Michael, I am glad to hear that your ex is drivable, but what I actually wanted to touch on from your call was something else that you casually mentioned in there about the Model 3. You seem to imply, correct me if I'm wrong, but you seem to imply that the Model 3 will be a steel body, because you mentioned it being easier to work on. Now, uh, if I'm completely misinterpreting this, pardon me, but it's probably worth pointing out anyway, because this this is actually a fun, maybe not a fun, but an interesting topic to consider. We don't know for sure, but I believe that Motor Trend, during their big Gigafactory visit where they shot that S3X cover story, if you remember that, I believe that Motor Trend had said that the Model 3 has an aluminum body but with the steel underpinnings, so a steel frame, steel chassis, whereas the the S and the X are aluminum all the way through. Because we knew that the, the 3 would not be aluminum all the way through, but we just didn't know 
the details. And I, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that that, that claim came from Motor Trend and you know, they're uh, not known for spreading lies and rumors, but we, it is true. We don't have this confirmed from Tesla just yet, but uh, I, I, it would make sense to me for, for the, the chassis and frame to be steel and the body to be aluminum because of course they're already stamping out aluminum body panels in all day, every day in Fremont. So, you know, that's par for the course at this point. Uh, and if that is the case, then bodywork could still be an issue with the three because, you know, as you know, the whole, the whole sort of reason that the, that the uh, S's and X's are, are backlogged for bodywork in some in places like Southern California and Northern California is because you know you need a Tesla authorized body shop because the aluminum is not your normal material. Now there are other cars made of aluminum. They're what Jaguars and I think the Vets aluminum now and the uh, that Ford F one fifty is aluminum. So it's it's becoming more common, but it's still not your normal your normal uh, everyday material for a car. So. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it could still be an issue with the three if you can only take it to a Tesla-authorized aluminum-qualified body shop. Uh, so what, I th- what I'm going to try to do, Michael, is I'm going to attempt, you know, you never know, but the next time that I catch Elon right on Twitter, like having just tweeted something, I will fire this question at him, and you never know, see if I can catch his attention and um, and see if he'll he might choose to respond. It's one of the basically there are basically no benefits to having a verified Twitter account other than I guess you're kind of protected from parody accounts. Not that not that uh, not that people are looking to to uh, clone or copycat or parody me. But the thing is, I think your tweets. You know, if if Elon were to only sort his tweet his replies by verified accounts my tweets would show up. So I've got at least a half decent chance that he would see that question. So I'll give it a try next time Next time I have to ha- happen, pardon me, to catch him online. All right, let's go down to Steve in Florida, who is wondering about how heat, his Florida heat, will affect his Tesla battery when he gets his car. Steve, you're on the air. Hi, thanks very much for doing your podcast. I discovered it recently. It's excellent, and uh, we really appreciate it. I had two questions, sort of. I live in Florida, and I wondered what the battery life or how it will be affected by heat. Um, Of course, Florida is very warm, and it will be sitting in the garage, which is also uh, particularly warm. Uh, So I want to know how it will affect the battery over time. And also, I travel quite a bit. I I work part-time or most of the time down in Mexico, and the car will be sitting significant uh, for significantly long periods, a couple of months at a time. Um, How will that affect the battery, and should you leave it plugged in, charged, or or let it basically drain down? Uh, I'm not sure what would be best. All right, thanks very much, and keep up the great work. We appreciate it. From Florida. Thank you for the call, Steve, and I think I can help you with your questions. Uh, having mostly grown up in Arizona, I can relate to the heat, albeit the uh, the drier kind than you're used to in Florida. 
Uh, anyway, the cold weather effects on batteries are very well documented, but the heat is going to have a bit of an effect as well. So the battery has to be kept within its ideal uh, operational temperature range. So what that means is you're probably going to hear your cooling fans running more often than a lot of other Tesla owners are because that your car is going to have to work as hard as it needs to in order to keep those batteries running at their ideal operating temperature range. So, uh, you know, here in the Bay Area where it's literally always 60 degrees no matter what, oh, for, oh, for a real summer. One day, please, one day a real summer. <laughs> anyway, uh, and then, you know, running your AC does affect your range just like it does, uh, just like it affects your gas mileage in an ICE. So, uh, to your other question, by the way, to answer about uh, storing your car uh, or, or leaving it on extended business trips, like you mentioned, the cars are built to sit for a while. It, it's not a big problem, but it is ideal, uh, especially in, in your case where you, you may need to make sure that the car's temperature is kept in an ideal range. You want to try and keep it plugged in and use the storage mode which, uh, unless they've changed it, keeps the battery at about half full in order to condition the battery to be as healthy as possible when you're not cycling the charge on a regular basis. So uh, use that when the, when the time comes for you. And remember, on that note, that using the Tesla smartphone app will allow you to take it out of storage mode and get it fully charged up just prior to your return trip home so that it's good to go and ready for you. So uh, the heat will be a factor, but it's nothing to worry about. The car's built for it, and just make sure you are uh, charging, you know, keeping it plugged in and, and, and storing it properly. So, Steve, thank you for that call. Let's go down to Jay in Australia, who comments on the battery size discussion for the three. I was talking about this last week about, you know, the, the 70 kilowatt hour and how I think there will be an 85, maybe even a 90 kilowatt hour car. And Jay makes two very, very excellent points on that topic. Jay, go ahead. Hi, Ryan. It's Jay from Canberra, Australia. A couple of comments on your last podcast regarding the uh, battery size, uh, particularly for the Model 3. Um, I've mentioned this before, but I think it's worth remembering that 315 miles is 500 kilometres. So with the rest of the world operating uh, on kilometres, I think it's a, it should be a no-brainer that uh, the Model 3 has to be above 315 miles because aesthetically it looks pretty good to be uh, driving a car that is 500 kilometres and that's a pretty big market uh, for, for everyone else. Um, and just regarding the S and the X uh, and, and uh, Elon saying about the, them not going above 100 kilowatt hour batteries, I think the big takeaway there, though, is that he didn't say that the range wasn't going to change. So remember that the existing vehicles are running on 18650 batteries, um, but will obviously eventually transfer to the new 2170 form factor. So that form factor is going to provide um, size and weight optimization in those vehicles as well. So... You would imagine that as they move into that new factor, which 
you would think would be this year that you're going to see significant range improvements, but the battery capacity would stay the, the same because the vehicles are now lighter. So you would imagine um, going forward what Tesla could be looking for with the S and the X is how to make the vehicles lighter uh, overall, not just the battery, uh, to increase the range performance there and then give, keep adding that value add uh, as time goes by. Uh, so something to think about and uh, keep up the good work. Cheers. Fantastic points, Jay. Uh, well, this is the second time now that you've kindly reminded me that the rest of the world that's not America uses kilometers, uses the metric system. So uh, yes, I agree 100% with you that 315 miles of EPA rated range probably is the target number that Tesla's looking to get out of that biggest battery pack so that it can hit that magic 500 kilometer marketing friendly number. And uh, on that note, it's probably not a coincidence that the P100D Model S's EPA range is, you guessed it, 315 miles, which, as Jay has reminded me, translates to exactly 500 kilometers. By the way, Jay, you're also totally right about the pack sizes thing, too. I think it's even because even if they don't go above 100 kilowatt hour, you're right, they are going still going to get better due to weight reduction with the 2170 cells and improvements in battery chemistry. So good stuff on that call. Thank you, Jay. Uh, let me go now to an anonymous caller. Sadly, did not leave a name, but uh, he wanted to reply to what I was talking about in you know, last week's big story about building the, the, uh, the test fleet of Model 3s. So, sir, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan. I wanted to call in and offer a different perspective on your latest episode regarding the trial build coming up uh, at the end of February. Uh, I think those cars that Tesla's building are actually beta cars. And the reason I think so is that primarily if Tesla has any intention of meeting their aggressive time frame, these need to be betas. And the car you rode in at the unveiling last year was an alpha prototype. Uh, and here's my explanation why. Alphas, alpha prototypes are defined by basically the product that you are developing uh, the alpha prototypes function like your intended design. They don't necessarily look like your intended design. So we know that the alphas aren't going to look like the intended design, especially the interior. Now, by definition, betas uh, are intended to look like and function like your intended uh, production design. There may be some little tweaks that Tesla may keep up their sleeve regarding the beta cars, but uh, I fully believe that these car this this build coming up will be beta cars. Um, ideally, you also want them built off of production tooling. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily going to happen for everything, uh, and that is why you usually have a limited production run right before you ramp up, where everything is made off of production tooling. So just wanted to offer that uh, different perspective for you and your listeners. I uh, really love the show. Keep up the great work. Thanks. Well, sir, you might very well be right. You clearly know something, a thing or two about, about alphas and betas. So 
Uh, yeah, you might, you might be right. Maybe those, maybe these are betas. We shall see. I certainly hope so, because that would indicate that the timeline is even more on track. And of course, you, I mean, we do have, Tesla has used the, has used the software terminology before. They, they have had release candidates in the past too. So, uh, you may indeed be right, but either way, it's all a good sign that these cars are about to be built. In fact, uh, yeah, by the time some of you hear this, they'll be they'll be being constructed as you hear this, which is cool. So cool. Uh, let's go now to Matthew in Nova Scotia, up in Canada. He's got himself a Model Three reservation, uh, but he's uh, got a reason to delay it. Let's see if we can help Matthew out. Hi, Ryan. This is Matthew calling from Nova Scotia, Canada. This is my second time calling. I just had a quick question for you. Um, I'm a Model 3 reservation holder, and I know at some point we get a notification saying we can reserve the car officially and it will be put into production at a certain date. I'm just wondering if you know how long that can be delayed for once you get that notification. I just uh, found out I'm having a third child, so I'm going to have to buy another vehicle in the meantime, which I wasn't planning for. Um, so if I had another couple, well, even an extra year to wait, it would be better, uh, oddly. Anyway, thanks very much. Talk, talk to you later. Well, Matthew, congratulations on the upcoming addition to your family. To answer your question, uh, the deferral process has not yet been specified on the Model 3, but I went and looked it up. Uh, here's what it was for the Model X. This is This is straight out of the purchase agreement of a Model X. It says... If you do not wish to enter into a purchase agreement at the time uh, that you are contacted by Tesla, you have the option to relinquish your reservation sequence position and defer to a later position to be determined by us. And they note only one deferral is permitted. So uh, it sounds like they might be open to it. They might rather open to discussing it with you. You know, if they... They might, you might, they might ask you. They, I mean, they don't straight up say, "Well, you can defer for six months or you can defer for a year." So it sounds like they might take these on a case by case basis, which is really great of them, you know, to take into account people's individual life circumstances as you have yours. I'm going to add this though, Matthew. Consider this: if you might, if you might need to wait a bit anyway at this point with another, uh, with a with a third kid on the way, and so your family's going to be five instead of four. Maybe the Model Y might end up suiting your needs a bit better, especially if you're going to wait. Like, if you end up deferring uh, and to a time when, you know, maybe the Model Y will only be, say, a year away or something, maybe the, the Y uh, is going to end up being a better fit for you because that's going to be the smaller version of the X, you know, the crossover uh, utility vehicle that's likely to seat six, if not seven, in that car. Whether or not it has falcon wings in the back yet remains to be seen. Elon said it would many, many, many months ago before the X came out and had its you know, initial uh, teething problems with its falcon wings. But in any case, yeah, maybe the Y is going to be more up your alley. I, I would suggest at least sort of thinking about that and maybe you know, uh, have $1,000 ready to put down as a, on a reservation for the Y. Maybe hang on to both reservations, see, you know, see which car ends up being better for you so that if you do end up choosing the Y, you've got 
a, you, you know, you, you get your reservation in real quick on whatever that first day is so you can get towards the front of the line on the Y. But in any case, uh, food for thought, and I wish you the best in whichever Tesla you end up with. Let's finish up with a, uh, our, again, our first, I believe the first caller from Mexico, a young gentleman from down in Monterey who is a big Tesla fan and wants to try and work for the company. So uh, let's, let's hear from him. Hey, Ryan. Rodrigo here from Monterey, Mexico. I'm currently on my last semester from college, and on my daily commute, I see around three to four Teslas every day. I'm a big fanboy, and I was wondering how possible it is for me to go out and apply for an internship at the Tesla store here at Monterey. I just love being around these cars, and I would love to work for Tesla one day. I want to hear your thoughts or advice on applying for an internship. Love the show. Look forward to it every week. Say hi from Mexico to Maggie the Boxer. Bye. Well, I guess I'm old enough now that I can give this kind of advice. In fact, I'm going to tell you the same thing that I told my cousin Sean from New Jersey when he was visiting me, who, as uh, you may know if you've been listening, he he recently got hired at one of the New Jersey Tesla stores. And that piece of advice is this. Go there. Go to the store in Monterey. Introduce yourself. Uh, you know, dress. You don't have to dress to, uh, like it like it's a job interview, but don't don't come in totally. You know, totally uh, with ragged jeans and a and a you know t-shirt. Just you know, it's look look like you you mean a little business. Uh, but go in there. Introduce yourself to the store manager. And because here's the thing, if you make a point to do a face-to-face introduction, they're going to see that store manager uh, or managers are going to see that passion and enthusiasm on your part. And uh, and that's only going to help you. It's not going to guarantee you a job, but it's definitely going to help you. Now, let me be clear that I have no idea if the Tesla stores do internships at all. And I don't you mentioned internship, but I don't know if, you know, if you need an internship because you want to do something that can somehow get paid in school credit or if uh, or if an actual just part-time job might work for you because uh, so because you know even if they don't do internships maybe you just want to get a part-time job there to help get your foot in the door and get get going and get to know the company from the inside a little bit so in any case I absolutely wish you the best of luck all right uh, time for another water break for me I'll be right back with a few final notes for you right after this. Let me kick this off by mentioning abstractocean.com, the purveyors of uh, what, uh, from everything I read, because I see nothing but good reports, it's all excellent stuff for both uh, Tesla accessories for you owners and Tesla accessories uh, for your person for owners and non-owners alike. So lanyards and uh, LED kits and all kinds of fun stuff. So head over to abstractocean.com. I mention it because the kind folks at abstractocean.com have offered up a 20% off coupon code for listeners of this podcast. So get everything you want in your, in your cart and at checkout, put in the code, the coupon code, RTL podcast, all one word, RTL podcast. Uh, use that code at checkout. I want to say hello and thank you to the newest Patreon producer. These are the kind folks that uh, support my efforts uh, 
of the podcast, which, uh, like I said, I have a Patreon for at patreon.com slash Podcast. The producers are the folks donating at the $20 or higher level. And I want to say uh, hi to the newest one of those Patreon producers, Kyle Stover. Thank you very much, Kyle. Kyle is joined by the other Patreon producers, Jeff Bartram, Paul Hussey, DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassiopo, ZL Klein, David Brander, Nick Hoffman, Jonathan Wales, John Waltower, Scott Gillis, Michael Lucas, Alexi Heft, David Kittle, Lisa Kaz, Michael O'Prey, Logan Willis, Matthew Parra, Michael Lester, John E. Ford, and Robert Miracle. Thank you all so much. Uh, most of you download the show, uh, or rather, most of you subscribe to the show. You can do that on just about all the major podcast services. So uh, please do that because then it just, again, you don't have to do anything. The show just gets pushed to you every week. You can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, tune in, or pick up the RSS feed at Tesla Podcast. Dot libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N, dot com. Thanks to Dave T for his, uh, his support always. He does the wonderful Tesla Weekly newsletter, which you can sign up for for free at teslaweekly.com, as well as Gene and the crew at teslarati.com. Uh, they do great work covering Tesla on a day-to-day basis. And that'll, that'll wrap it up. You can follow me on Twitter if you're not doing so already, at DMC underscore Ryan. And again, you can email me, teslapodcast at gmail.com. And that'll do it. Uh, Episode 81 in the books. Hopefully I'm going to be totally back to my normal self next week, but I appreciate you bearing with me. Hopefully it wasn't too annoying uh, to listen to, because I know this is not not the voice you're used to hearing. But in any case, uh, I'm Ryan McCaffrey for a snoozing, snoring Maggie the Boxer. This has been... Ride the Lightning episode 81. Happy electric motoring, my friends, and I'll see you back here next week.